If you'll turn with me to John chapter 13. To be honest with you, when I printed up the bulletin, I really didn't know what to title the sermon. I tried to give it a title, you know. You don't have to have a title for your sermon, but I tried to give it a title, and I really didn't know what to title it, so I just said love, because uh, I figured whatever I preached on, it better be connected to that, right? Well, as the Lord has kind of, I hope, downloaded to me a word for all of us, mainly for me, I want to share it with you briefly this morning. Turn with me to John chapter 13. <clears throat> We're going to bounce around just a little bit, so it would be nice if you do have uh, a Bible that you can see and uh, get connected with there. Notice these words here, and we're going to read, and then we'll um, move around a little bit as we go through. But just notice it right here, thirteen, chapter 13 and verse 31. Uh, when he had gone out, and remember, remember that this is actually, he just washed his disciples' feet. So when he had gone, and, and, and he had been betrayed already, really, Judas just left, literally just left. And so when he had gone out, it refers to Judas, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, Isn't that interesting? If God is glorified. I mean, Jesus is speaking about himself. He knows. But he's saying, if we believe that he's glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself. This is interpersonal language at its best. And glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while, and I'm with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now... I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Your word is precious to us. It is bread and food for the soul. May it be so today for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of people in the media, in the world, in the world's religions all over the world's medias, world leaders, philosophers, artists, poets, all of this, songwriters, TV writers, producers, movie stars, all this. Everybody thinks the same thing. You're like, hang on now. (laughs) They all think something's wrong with the world. No one really that's in the know is going to say the world is right as it is. It's not. Everybody's looking for change. Everybody's wanting to say something to change the world. Everybody identifies that there is a problem. But the problem with the problem is this. No one agrees on 
what the problem is. Is it race relations? Is it sexism? Is it politics? Is it power? Is it money? Is it distribution of money? Is it this or is it that? Or is it this way or that way or this politician's way or this country's way or this world religion's way? What is the problem? And here's why I bring this up is because it's very important if there is a problem, which apparently we all agree that there is, that we actually know what the problem is, right? For instance, if you go to a physician, I happen to know one, and you got a problem, but they don't diagnose it right, are they going to be able to probably fix it? Are they going to be able to come to a solution? No. At your business, if there is a problem and you identify the wrong problem, is the problem going to be fixed? No. Of course not. In our relationships, if there's a problem, so on and so forth. So what is the problem? What is wrong with the world? What is it that everybody agrees on, but can't put their finger on as the problem? And the Bible is very clear about this. It's sin. So then we have to go to the solution, right? If sin's the problem, what is the solution? And... Here's where it gets interesting. Because God's solution is radical. He doesn't just wave his wand and say, okay, no more sin. Okay, sin is forgiven, so now the world is going to be a better place. Instead, he actually takes on human flesh, clothes himself in flesh, lives a human life. This is coming down to the end of that human life in his 30s, and then he dies on a cross, suffering, naked, and beaten, and murdered, and falsely accused, and then he rises from the dead. That's God's answer to the problem of sin. And what an interesting answer. You see, the problem of sin goes deep, doesn't it? I mean, really deep. It runs through us all. It's not just their fault overseas or over in that neighborhood or up there in the White House or up there in our local government. It's not just their fault. It's all our fault because sin runs deep in all of us. And the solution must be a radical one. I mean, if I came down with cancer, I mean, I may be eating up with cancer right now and not even know it. And I go to the doctor and they say, yeah, just we'll, we'll give you a little shot in the butt and uh, take this Z-Pack and you should be fine in a week. I'd get a second opinion. That doesn't sound like it's going to fix the problem, does it? They're probably going to have to open me up, do exploratory surgery and do all this other kind of, take stuff out of me, burn stuff, chemically alter my cells, whatever radiation and all that stuff does, it's going to have to be radical. You've seen it happen. A bad problem takes a radical solution. And God's solution, if we look at it, it is radical. He has to die. He's God. Can't He just wave His wand, say a couple charms and be done with it? Why the incarnation. Why 
the atonement? Why the sacrifice? Why the cross? Because sin, the problem, is deep. And there's only one real solution. Love. You say, how, how, do, you, how do you know that? Well, John will tell us, um, I didn't know myself either until I was told. And that is, John says, God is love. And God is the solution to the problem. That's why he comes. <laughs> you see, he, he wasn't able to just he, give us a piece of paper. A piece of paper is not going to do it. He has to come himself. And he doesn't just want to come be with us. He wants to be in us. Because the problem is not just on the outside of what we do by our actions. Those are problems. But those actions have a root, don't they? That fruit, if you trace it down, sometimes deep down, it has a root. An elaborate root system. And it's got to be taken care of at the root problem in here. I can only see what's on the outside of you. I don't have x-ray vision. Just because I'm a pastor or clergy, what it doesn't give me x-ray vision. I don't really want that either, trust me. People talk about they want to know what other people are thinking and stuff. I, I just really don't, honestly. I just really don't. I don't, think I, I don't think any of us could handle it. Here's what Jesus says, and it's very... It's what I call the logic of love. He says, I have a new commandment, guys. Just imagine again, paint the picture very briefly, just if you don't know, because I'm not assuming everybody knows this biblical story. This is the last night he's with his disciples. This is it. You ever seen someone when they're dying? They're just not talking about who's winning the football game. They're going to talk about some important Things if they only have a few hours left and they only have a limited amount of time with you. I've been there. I've seen them. I've heard them. If this is it, you better say something important. And nobody's wishing at the end of their life they would have sinned more. That they would have treated others ugly more. Man, I just didn't get enough hatred out or bitterness toward others. Unforgiveness. Nobody's doing that at the end of life. Everybody's wanting to be around their family, feel loved, and know that they lived for something. Jesus says, look, I have a new commandment. Just as I have loved you. He doesn't just throw it out there. Love others without a definition. Instead, love others. And he doesn't even just give us some on paper definition that nobody's going to memorize that means nothing to us but instead he says as I have loved you if you felt loved by me and these guys did then you love other people like I loved you you know in the academic world we always are trying to define things you know (laughs) and by defining things you end up just messing it all up Take love, for example, right? 
define love and it just cheapens it, doesn't it? It's like if you give your little definition or I give my what I think is an elaborate definition, it still, at the end of the day, people are like, I don't really, I'm not interested in that. But if they see it, you understand if they feel it, if they feel your love toward them, no need for a definition on paper. Amen. Same way with my wife, right? So like my wife, she's a complex woman. And that's a good thing. We all are. And if you were to ask me, you said, tell me a little bit about Jessica. I mean, you've been married to her for 13 years, known her for 14 years. Define her. Are my words ever going to get to the sweet, loving woman that you know that she is, that has a heart for every single one of you, a heart for me that I don't deserve, a heart for five children that she's born in her own body? Is a definition from an email going to explain just... No, it won't ever, ever sum up who that person is that you have experienced love from. It will never sum her up. And nor, nor were our cheap definitions of God. At the end of the day, we just have to say to people, you got to meet him. Once you meet him, once you're in his presence... You won't need a definition anymore. Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. And by this, all people, not just church people, all people, the people at your work, your family members that you don't get along with. The ones that are hard to love in your life. Friends, neighbors, people that you meet in 30 seconds at Publix. They ought to know. By the way we love one another, that we are His disciples. It's what Megan already told us. Don't let this just be a one-time thing. We should always be inviting people to a place where every single Sunday, many, many people work hard to get in the same room with each other for the purpose of knowing God. For the purpose of giving Him our life anew and afresh together. This is never just one thing from the stage to you. That's why I join you in worship. I'm a worshiper. These may be leading. I may be leading, but I'm also following. That's what leaders do. And that's what leaders do in this church. Notice this, then he gives them a new commandment, love one another, and that's how everybody's going to know you are mine. But then secondly, flip just next chapter, 14, 15, and 16, and 17 there. Chapter 14 says this, drop down to 15, if you love me, so just watch the logic here, right? I'm giving you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Now, if you love me, 
you will keep my commandments. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another as I've loved you. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father. And he will give you a helper who is the Holy Spirit. Now, I love the way he just drops that in there right after that. Because it's like, oh boy, I'm in trouble. Because I think I do love you, Jesus. But obeying your commandments to love other people? You're real. Jesus is real lovable, by the way. All the world's religions like Jesus. They really do. Hinduism, Buddhism, everybody likes Jesus. Everybody likes, nobody has a problem with his teachings. Primarily because they don't understand him. <laughs> Just going to throw that one out there. Um, I mean, he, he's got to be the most egotistical person in the world. If you really read his writings and don't believe he's God. Imagine if I just told you, you have to love me more than you love your spouse. In other words, you want to be a part of this church, you've got to love me. Sounds like a cult, doesn't it? You're like, hang on, this is some David Koresh kind of stuff. I'm getting up out of here. And I I would agree, you need to do that if that happens. I'm not saying that, okay? And I said to you, if you don't love me more than your mom and dad, you can't follow me. That, who make... Let me just tell you, so we don't have to, you know, so you don't have to go study. I've already done the study. There's no world religion where anybody claims anything like that. Gautama, the Buddha, he is not interested in you following him. He's not. He, does, he says clearly he's not God. None of them say they're God, actually. Muhammad would have a stroke if you thought he was saying he was Allah. No. No. But this God... Our God, Jesus, he says, yes, yes. Remember when he's talking to the rich young ruler? Rich young ruler said, good teacher. He says, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. let me just stop you right there. Only God is good. What's he saying? By inference, you're God. You remember Mark 2, right? Uh, Larry Franks preached on it, right? Hang on, hang on. Are you saying that you can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Oh, good job. Well done. You get an A plus. He doesn't deny it, does he? At any point, he doesn't deny it. Because he is God. He's the only God. And all the other gods and goddesses are false. All of them. I got a new commandment for you. Love one another. If you love me, you'll keep this commandment. Drop to 15 now. 15, verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is all on this last night of Jesus' life with his disciples. As the Father has loved me, notice this, so have I loved you. Just... Could I just be a teacher for just a second? Can you, do you see the Trinitarian interpersonal relationship here? The Father has loved the Son. So the Son says, I love like my Father loves me. And you, if you're going to be in this relationship with us, this Holy Trinity with us, you're going to love like I love because that's what we do in here. And the Spirit, of course, Jesus says, I'm sending Him because you can't 
do it on your own. And St. Augustine, in his writing, says, you know what, I, I think there's something going on here. We can talk about the theology of it later. But he says, I think there's something going on here. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. Love is the Holy Spirit. Love is not a fourth component to the Holy Trinity, but rather is God himself. C.S. Lewis will actually pick up on this. I just, forgive me, but I have to say, he says, look, love in Christianity is so personal, it's a person. It's not some kind of thing that's hanging out there that we have to, ah, shucks, I missed that one. It's a person that is in us. Remember where the problem is? It's in us, really. I'm my own worst enemy. I'm the one who fails God. I'm the one who makes mistakes, not him. And that's why he comes in here. And he brings his love, who is his Holy Spirit. Notice what he says here. As the Father loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. If, notice that if again. These are straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Whatever you're looking for, the answer is love. Not a cheap love as defined by Hollywood or the politicians or social programs or social media or the shows you watch or the books you read, but by defined by Jesus Christ himself. His actual life that thankfully we have here and we can actually also meet him. We do not have to just simply wonder any longer what love is. We can meet love himself. Now, if we believe that, I'm just preaching to myself this morning because I needed to hear this, and I'm not kidding about that. I had zero, when I, when, when I got up this morning, Jessica had, I, I just jokingly sometimes I ask her, I say, so what do you think I should preach on this Sunday? And, and, you know, normally I already have something that, that's rolling. I did. I actually was going to do Rich Young Ruler. Um, and she said, you ought to preach on just loving others. I was like, yeah, Sunday school answer, whatever. And it was like everything I opened up was love. Love. Did you catch it in Romans? <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. I'm like, did she read that? Had a, did, she, did she know the lectionary readings? I opened up the lectionary readings. I'm like, are you kidding me? Then I opened up my devotional this morning. Are you joking Love one another. We're almost done. There's a new commandment Jesus gives. Love one another. If you love me, you'll keep that commandment. If you keep that commandment, you'll abide in my love and you'll be filled with joy. Do you see his love? That's the logic of love. That's just what I just wrote that down just this morning. Logic of love. I needed that. 
I needed that. And what Justin said, I want to end with this. What Justin said is just, we need a hurricane of his love in my life. I got a lot of idols set up. I got a lot of stuff that I want to see happen. I have ways that I define me as a man, me as a pastor, me as a friend, me as a husband and a parent. He wants to blow all of that away with the holy wind that, that ripped open on Pentecost. Right? Wind equals spirit. A holy hurricane of wind and water. <laughs> right? So while we have this here, we are baptized into Christ. Not into us. Not into a self-help program. The person of Jesus Christ. If we're going to have a good friend day, we got to love one another. And if we're going to love one another, we have to abide in Jesus. I'm, I'm literally saying that to myself. Because I want to abide in a lot of other stuff. My strengths, my skills, new trainings, new books, da, da, da. No. He says, I don't. It's like in Isaiah. I've been reading through Isaiah. Isaiah says, I really hate, I really hate it when you come to church. That's what he's basically saying. I hate your sacrifices. I hate it when you start burning the candle and smell. it smells like throw up to me. That's what God says. You're like, wow. Hmm. So we just need to stop church? No, you need to get a heart change. Because then the candle, then the candle burns for different reasons, doesn't it? If we're just coming in here for a formality every single Sunday, I'm done. I'm saying I'm dead serious. I'm out. I'm not for that. If we're coming in here to meet Jesus, let him change us. Let him send us on mission. Hey, anybody that's going to stay around, even if it's three people, I'm here. I'm yours. Because that's what he's called me to do. And what has he called you to do? You know he's called you to love one another, but how? You know, you're going to have to figure that out because, again, I can't see in there. It's not my job to see in there. But it's my job that once you say, I think, I think I'm called to this, to help you along, to equip the saints. That's my job. And I want to help with that. And we want to help with that, not just me. There's a host of people who are ready to walk alongside you. I've already talked to them. They're ready. And, and we're, we're like new wineskins, like the Bible talks about. We're ready to bust at the seams if someone will step up and meet Jesus today. Somebody's got to do it, though. What I'm, what I'm saying is this. There's already people who are walking with the Lord. But somebody's got to be the catalyst for right now, this is the first time you really met Jesus. Maybe you've been in church 47 years. That doesn't mean you know Jesus yet. Have you met this Jesus? As soon as somebody really repents and is willing to beat their chest like the guy who went home justified, as soon as that happens, I'm telling you right now, the Lord's already told me, as soon as somebody's willing to do that, just to be honest with God, not, not honest with me or anything like that, honest with God, as soon as it, then you'll see revival in our church. The deadness will leave. New winds will blow. New fires will be started. But until then, we're going to bicker. We're going to complain. There's not, things aren't going to be happening well because we're not living in and abiding in his love. 
Love is the way they know. Not how well I preach, not how well you serve, but love. So, love one another. Amen.